Hey, Donnie here. I wanted to tell you about Champions 90. Champions 90 isn't a workout routine or a fitness routine. This is about you transforming your life mentally, giving yourself an upgrade while you build to business freedom. Champions 90 is about you getting quiet with your thoughts, staying focused on building your business, and getting you to freedom. Come join the challenge at champions90.com. Everything that you're doing makes sense to do. It seems like a good idea. It's logical. It's well thought out. It's very rational. What that means is that a breakthrough in your situation, the thing that will get you in that category of the less you work, the more you make, that breakthrough for you and your business will at first not make sense. It will at first seem like a bad idea because if it made sense, you'd already be doing it. So the trick is knowing how to access different parts of your brain on demand, different parts of your thinking on demand. You're listening to Donnie Success Champions, where I believe everybody is on a journey. Life is all about the stories you've been telling to each later. You're going to hear the stories of people who have overcome hardships, failures, and life to find success along their journey. Hi guys, this is going to be a really, really fun episode. I'm bringing in Jared Hanning, and you know, I wasn't really sure what I was getting into when Jared came on the show, but yeah, I knew he was a musician, I knew he was doing some performance coach. But man, listen to this episode, he really breaks down some cool tactical things that you can apply to your business to help you work less but make more money in your business. So he's a noted TEDx speaker and has had just some phenomenal things happen. So enjoy this episode, guys, and dive in. All right, guys, this is going to be a fun, fun show. I'm, I'm looking at Jared right now, and he's got all these instruments behind him, so I'm sure I'm, and dude, they're all different guitar-like things, so I'm sure we're going to have fun with that. But I'm your host, Donnie Bovine. This is Donnie Success Champions, and we're bringing on Jared Hanning to tell us a little bit about his story, his journey, his life. I'm sure somewhere I'll make fun of him because he's into music and stuff, which I never got into, so that'll be fun. But Jared, welcome to the show, my friend. Please tell us your story. Hello, hello. Glad to be here. My name is Jared Hanning. I work as a performance coach, leadership, productivity. My clients normally double their income in the first year by purposely working less hours. But in my former life, and what Donnie's referring to is the instruments in the background, I am classically trained by trade. I'm currently the principal violist with the South Carolina Philharmonic. So yeah, in a former life, I spent many years in a dungeon by myself, isolated from the world, trying to perfect one or two seconds of music in hopes that I might be good enough to pass the audition. <laughs> All right. So you say you're the president of a viola. What the hell is that? I know. Isn't that crazy? But a principal, um, I think. So, yeah, principal viola. Principal viola. So in the symphony, the professional symphony, we have a section of violins. We actually have two sections of violins. There's a first group and a second group. That's kind of, I don't know, I've always thought that was interesting. We have a section of violas and then a section of cellos, of course, a section of basses and all the woodwinds and brass. First chair is the denotion principal. Second chair gets the assistant principal. 
and then everybody else is just kind of randomly sad. So you're like the guy that stands up and they does the bow thing when, when the conductor points at you because you're like somebody who can play better. I'm the guy. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm the guy. <laughs> got it. Got it. My wife is, uh, you know, used to be seeing a lot of opera, Broadway, that kind of stuff. So I've, I've had the unfortunate torture of sitting through a couple of symphonies. <laughs> <laughs> it's not for everybody. Yeah, no but I, you know, uh, in truth, I love the music. You know, I would just rather see it done alongside of a, of a play or a musical or, or something. Yeah. You know, Heck yeah. You know, uh, Heck yeah. My son, he is actually allergic to music. Uh, I mean, when he was little, I would be like comping some chords on the guitar and he would straight up pull the instrument out of my hands, hang it on the wall, say, no, Papa, let's go outside and kick the ball. (laughs) He he is all sports. (laughs) We're going to the basketball game tonight, as a matter of fact. So even your boy was like, dang, dad's a geek. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) That's right, man. That's right. Dad, no. Shut it off, man. Do it. That's awesome. That's awesome. So how long have you been playing uh, in, in the instrument since you were, you know, the tea toddler? I grew up in my whole life. Probably started when I was nine, I think. So I've got 30-some-odd years at this point. So when are you going to get good at it? I mean, jeez. Well, I don't know. By the time you're in high school, you start getting paid to play weddings. By the time you're in college, you start getting paid to play, like, church services and stuff like that. And by the time you graduate, you make a living at it. That's awesome. That's like, I, I I commend you because not a lot of people do are able to pull that off. You know, my nieces all play different instruments. I got a niece that's a little piano wizard. Oh, yeah. She can read music, but she's just one of those people that hears a song and then turn around and starts playing it. You know, I'm a guy that can't even play chopsticks, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and if I if I sing, I sound like Scuttle off The Little Mermaid, so you don't. <laughs> so how did a guy who grew up in music end up as a performance coach? That doesn't even compute for me. I know, isn't that strange? This is so strange. It could be just how I'm wired. I've been a Renaissance man my whole life. I'm just as comfortable with a rifle at 400 yards as I am a violin on stage. I'm just as comfortable under a car with a oil filter wrench or a transmission wrench as I am a skydiving out of an airplane. Um, it's just, it's been just, just my whole life. I don't know. We're all wired uniquely. And for whatever reason, uh, this is the path I've been on, but there are some interesting connections that some people don't know about. When you are involved in music, whether you're singing along with the radio in the car or tapping your foot at the concert or whatever you're doing when you're making music, in that moment, you're using more of your brain than any other time of your life. Your brain is just this fireworks show. And this contrasts with other endeavors, uh, for example, sports performance. The higher level your body is performing as an athlete, the quieter your brain is. It almost enters a meditative state because the brain can't afford or the body can't afford to be soaking up glucose for muscles and, you know, it has to go to the muscles, so it doesn't go to the brain. But music is the opposite. Your brain just is this fireworks. All these different processes are going on because you're having to do like logic and art and creativity and, I mean, just all these contradictory processes. And actually in musicians, their brain grows differently over time. If you take the two halves of the brain and you separate them, there's a a layer, a fiber network that connects both halves that fiber network is called the corpus callosum 
or colosum. I'm, I'm not sure how it's pronounced. Any which way, that allows the left and right half to connect, to communicate more. Well, because musicians are having to use both halves that are like polar opposites at the same time all the time, that fiber network is visibly thicker. You can see the difference with your naked eye. You don't need a microscope or something because it has to have more bandwidth to communicate. Okay, so here we are talking about music and using more of your brain and how that's different from other features. And the connection between that and the work I do as a performance coach is in any situation you're in where you, you might be tired of not having enough money or not having enough time or you just keep hitting those same obstacles as you're trying to grow your business or whatever it is, there's three truths. Now, number one, you're doing already everything you can. Like you're not a slacker. Pat yourself on the back. You're doing everything you can. You're out there hustling. You're working hard. You're grinding. Number two, everything that you're doing makes sense to do. It seems like a good idea. It's logical. It's well thought out. It's very rational. What that means is that a breakthrough in your situation, the thing that will get you in that category of the less you work, the more you make, that breakthrough for you and your business will at first not make sense. It will at first seem like a bad idea because if it made sense, you'd already be doing it. So the trick is knowing how to access different parts of your brain on demand, different parts of your thinking on demand. And that's the work that I do. We actually use a Nobel nominated process that prints up a graph of that individual's thinking. It's as unique as they are. It's like a fingerprint of how the world shows up to them. And in that graph, we're able to see right away where their next breakthrough is because we can see where the blind spot is. It's been hiding it from them all these years. And so the connection between music performance, using more of your brain and business performance is that by learning to access different parts of your brain, you're able to level up your business on demand. So, so here's, here's where I'm curious. So, so you've been playing music your entire life and you've now still play music, become a performance coach and, and you're into that. At what point did you go, I need to geek out and learn about the brain and all the way it works and all its functionalities and that kind of stuff so I can apply it to something greater than, than what I'm currently doing. I mean, was it one of those mornings you woke up and you're like, damn, now I'm going to be a performance coach. Let me see what that looks like. Or was this there, there a progression of, you know, I've got to go do all this learning and then become a teacher? Yeah. So it, part of it was gradual. You know, just the skills that you learn as a musician to perform on stage, what allowed me to break the curse of stage fright because I had stage fright for most of my professional career and how I broke through that. What happens with productivity and the brain and performance and performing under pressure and clarity and all that. Well, those skills, they translate in many areas to leadership, to productivity, to persuasion and stuff like that. So as I was growing as a musician, those skills were growing. But ultimately, what led to the transition was this feeling that I was complete with music and life was calling me to something greater. I couldn't like rest on my laurels anymore. I had to keep growing as a person. I had to keep being challenged as a person. And the way that that seemed to reveal itself was in speaking and coaching and, and the work that I do now. That's awesome. You know, when you were describing the brains communicating and the two sides and how when people are in certain functions, there's this calmness. I, I for some reason, got the Bull Durham 
you know, image in my head where he's, you know, quiet the mechanism. No, for the love of the game. And Kevin Costner's for the love of the game. Yes. Yeah. Right. When he's talking about quiet, excuse me, talking about quiet and the mechanism where he's on a pitcher's mound and you can hear the crowds, you know, screaming and yelling at him. You're a joke. You're a loser and all this stuff. And then he says, quiet the mechanism, man. And everything just drops. And it's just him, the catcher and the dude at the plate. I mean, it, it's a really, really cool visual when people are trying to tackle, you know, their mindset issues. Is that kind of what you're talking about when you're working with people is how to either get to that level or are you more focused on how do they get different parts of the brain actually firing and functioning? Uh, different parts firing and functioning. So many times the issue isn't the performance under pressure. The issue is how your brain naturally makes decisions because that thing that seems like a good idea is also the thing that's holding your business back. It's right. why you keep making the same amount of money every year. It's why after checking 100 things off your to-do list and skipping lunch and staying late and going to three meetings and 27 phone calls on 100 emails, at the end of the day, it feels like you didn't move the ball forward because those decisions that were being made subconsciously, while they seemed like a good idea at the time, they were actually holding you back. So with the, the Nobel-nominated process and that breakthrough map that we print up, we're able to see where the breakthrough is so that you can get into the less you work, the more you make, because it's absolutely true. The less you work, the more you make. <laughs> and, and, and so, so, I mean, there's two sides to, to that argument. So you have Tim Ferriss, four hour work week. You got Gary V grind and work yourself to death, right? So you've got two sides of the aisle. Both are successful by monetized, you know, definition, you know, do very well financially and everything else. Both are living lifestyles that, that people want on both sides of the aisles. They're both right, right? It's just what works best for an individual. How do you compute to somebody who can't wrap their head around, you know, I'm a guy who works a ton of hours, put in a, a ton of time to run a successful business. How do you take a guy like me that more leans toward the Gary Vee style type of things and say, you know, you've got to turn some of those things off to find greater success in your business and life? Well, it depends on what life is calling you to next. Some people, life's going great and we don't need to change any, anything. Other people, they have like this nagging sense that life is calling them to something greater, that there's something inside them that is not able to come out during the day because their day is being spent doing little things that somebody else should probably be doing. That isn't Gary V. No. What Gary V has done is delegated and outsourced and partnered with strategic partners to handle those tasks so he can only do the thing that he needs to be doing which is having his face on my Instagram feed. Um, <laughs> Tim Ferriss did the same thing, by the way. Tim Ferriss wasn't saying don't hustle. He was just saying only hustle in your zone of genius and delegate everything else. Right. You know, that's interesting because, you know, people don't wrap their head around it. I mean, I know when I first jumped out to be an entrepreneur, you know, I spent 40 years in the employee mindset. And so when I became a business owner, there was just this, mind crack of holy crap you don't know what the heck you're doing you know so my business went through this wild turmoil of ups and downs and everything else and the interesting thing is 
I struggled and I hired several marketing companies and then I would turn around and fire them. And I went through quite a few until I realized it's not the marketing companies that have the problem. It was me. I was trying to delegate things out that I wasn't naturally good at, trying to embrace that lifestyle, but I couldn't tell them what I wanted them to, to accomplish and do. So then I went to the other side of the, that coin of now I'm outsourcing and doing – now I'm struggling with the outsource because now I know I have to very specifically tell people what I need them to accomplish, and it's just easier if I take it on myself. So – as an entrepreneur, I'm constantly in that game of, okay, well, I'll outsource this. All right, well, let me go get my hands in it because they're obviously not doing it the way it needs to be done versus let me just completely just do it myself. How do you coach somebody through that entire thought process of knowing what to let go? I mean, you keep coming back to this, this brain map scan. Walk me through that. What does that look like? A question or a statement. Actually, golly, there's a couple statements. Um, if anybody's listening to this and you're taking notes or something like that, the first statement is if you are doing the work, your business is falling behind. Now, you cannot solve a bad strategy with stubbornness. You cannot out hustle a bad solution. If you are the one who is implementing, if you personally are the one who's doing the emails and doing the design work and doing the consultation or doing the sales or whatever the task is that you personally are doing in that block of time, it means that you didn't spend it building a system to support you and you didn't spend it building a person to support you. So consequently, tomorrow, you are going to have to do the same task again. And that's why the business falls behind. You can't outwork that. Another way of looking at it is if you look at the thing that you do the best, the making it rain task, whether it's networking, whether it's closing the sale, whether it's getting your foot in the door, making the connection. If you look at the things that you excel at that cause the business to grow, that cause that new contract to show up on your table or that new client or that new opportunity, the things that open the door for that are unbelievably high-paying things. It's the kind of thing where you know the numbers. If you get on the phone and you personally speak with the owners of 20 companies, one of them is going to hire you. You know that. Consequently, every person you speak to is worth $500, whether they say yes or no, because in the course of 20 of them, one of them is going to say yes, and that's worth $10,000. So you know the math on that. $500 is what your time is worth speaking to somebody. It's a very high task. Now, let's look at the things on your to-do list. Most of the things on your to-do list can be outsourced for $10 an hour. What that means is you cannot $10 an hour your way to $500 an hour. You can't outwork that strategy. So the second statement when we're looking at what to let go of, what to keep and what to let go of is... Anytime you do the same task twice, you need to ask why. Mm. What is so special about that task that you are the only person that is qualified to do it? Now, I, I understand it might be sophisticated and you might have a certain genius that you bring to that part of the marketplace or a certain talent or a certain skill that you spent your life developing. But as we look at things that seem impossible to delegate, 
So, and delegate is what allows us to reach more people and make a bigger difference. If you're doing it, you're being selfish. You're saying, I don't want to impact more people. So we've got to delegate. Eye surgery, for crying out loud, this is my favorite example of this. If you think of eye surgery, right, somebody who has spent 15 years in postgraduate education to develop the skills needed to cut open a ball of jello and thread and needle stitch a ball of jello back together. As we think of eye surgery, for crying out loud, how specialized is that? There are eye surgeons in this country that are able to perform 40 to 50 eye surgeries in a day. And the way they do it is they have trained a technician, a two-year technician, to make the incision, to sedate the eye, to pull out the old lens, because these are very low-skill items. The only thing the eye surgeons needed for is to drop in the new lens because that's when all of the mistakes can happen. So he rolls in, drops in the new lens, jets to the next patient, and a technician stitches up the eye and a technician. So if an eye surgeon can do that, surely you and I can do that with our emails and phone calls. No, I love that. That's a brilliant example because I think, you know, a lot of people struggle with – you know, one delegation, I think in general, people suck at delegation because nobody can do it as good as they can is most of the problems that people run into. But the flip side of that as well, I think there's always that fear that won't be done right. But you throwing out there that the process being put in place is the key to making sure it's done right. How does somebody do build the process? I mean, th- this is, you know, a really cool thought process over long, but how do, does somebody build the process? I mean, I know hire you, but tactically, do they work backwards and re-engineer what they're working on? You know, or... How do you or- the process? Start throwing spaghetti against the wall. When somebody has that mindset of taking action and results and results are what matter. We've got to take action. We've got to results. When somebody has that mindset, they pride themselves on getting things done. The problem is their to-do list has more on it than they have time to get done. They've tried working harder and faster. At the end of the day, it feels like they didn't move the ball forward. And the reason is their mind is focused on looking for things to do because that's where it gets its endorphin. Hey guys, it's Donnie here, and I just want to let you know that we've recently launched a content development company, and this company helps people get social content. You know you need to put out a lot of content nowadays to get engagement out there in all your social platforms, but we've come up with a really cool way to help you get videos, blog posts, memes, social posters, and infographics for you know, whatever social site you need. So check us out at successchamps.us and learn more about how you can get social content for your social media. Support for this podcast comes from Point Blank Safety Services and Blue Family Fund. Blue Family Fund, helping dependents of law enforcement families on their journeys. Blue Family Fund is a nonprofit that raises funds and offers financial support through higher education scholarships for dependents of law enforcement officers and by providing financial assistance for families of fallen law enforcement officers. Every dollar donated will go to the families of police officers, either through scholarships to dependents of police officers or as aid to fallen officers' families. Visit us at bluefamilyfund.com.
how do you flip the process to answer your question and build things to support you? What, what you do is you first develop an understanding that your job as the business owner and your job as the leader is not to do things. Your job is to cause things. Your job is to build systems and empower other people, build systems and empower other people. Now what happens for that type A driven accomplished person is they write up an outline. Okay. I need these three things done. It needs to be done in this order. This is what success looks like when it's finished. They give that outline to somebody else and it fails. And they say, see, I told you so you can't trust anybody else to do it. I should have just saved all that time and done it myself. No, your job as a leader is to go back to the system and test it again. Okay, well, maybe I put them in the wrong order. Okay, maybe I didn't spend enough time making sure this person understood. Okay, maybe I didn't hire the right person to be sure that they understood. They go back and keep massaging the system and the person until it sticks because their job is to empower and cause not to personally do. Now, the illustration here is the fire chief at the firehouse. When the firehouse gets the call, ring, ring, house on fire, the fire chief's job is to sit in the chair and not move. His job is to line up people, line up equipment, line up processes, line up backup plans, line up backup plan to the backup plan, line up if everything else fails plan. His job is to sit there and network and make calls and connections and processes and procedures. If the fire chief leaves the chair, gets in the truck, goes to the fire, he has just endangered the rest of the city because his job is not to do, it is to cause and empower others. That's actually a really cool thought process. I actually haven't heard it put in those terms, so good on you for figuring this out. It's really interesting because, you know, a lot of people talk about people, you know, you have to evolve to a next level of yourself, which means you're always learning. And for guys like me that are self-described type A's, we tend to challenge ourselves in arenas where there's big risk taking, there's big, you know, decisions, big things, but where we, I really lack is the, the smaller things, the, the process things, you know, the things where I should be able to just hand it to you and you just figure it out stuff, right? That's where, you know, I tend to not evolve because I'm like, well, you should just get it. I shouldn't have to tell you how to do your job. Just do your job, you know. But that's a really interesting process of actually coming back and looking at it and thinking about it and going, okay, well, if you keep doing it, Donnie, the way you've always done it, then you are the definition of insanity. You know, it's time to evolve that portion of that process. That's really cool. Do you think this all stemmed because of your tenacity to perfect the instruments i mean you know just hearing about you sitting in that that lonely dark dank (laughs) (laughs) you know but but i mean really that time you spent tweaking one or two chords so you could be the guy in the seat and in you know the orchestra type thing do you think that's where all this really came from to get you to this this elite level I think as entrepreneurs, you and I are, are wired the same and, and that we, we have a passion and we go all in, probably too all in to our own detriment. <laughs> you know, we got to learn everything about it and we got to be the best at it we can and keep growing and love challenging. 
So in music, sure, it was that. It was a mental illness. I couldn't put it down. I couldn't stop if I had to. Music got to be a financial illness as well (laughs) as as I started teaching and trying to make a living in music. And I was so frustrated because it just felt like I didn't have enough money. I didn't have enough time. I was so frustrated. So I went off into other things. I'd like go off into real estate or go off into construction. And of course, I'd experience the same thing there. And I'd come back and finally I realized, wait a minute, it's not music. It's me. So I stopped blaming music. And it's like, okay, wait a minute. If I was a business owner, how would I do music differently? And if you are in any field, I want to share with you the three things that allowed me to work 20 hours a week as a musician and make over 100000 a year. Because you can apply these three things to your business as well. The first thing I did was I stopped teaching one-on-one and I started teaching one-on-many. Now, some people do this in music with video lessons, with writing music materials, with doing group lessons, that kind of thing. I decided to do it like a doctor visit. When you go see the doctor, he doesn't check you in. He doesn't schedule you. He doesn't hear where it hurts. He doesn't weigh you. The nurse tells him all that. He just comes in and goes, stop doing this, start doing this, call me next month, and he leaves, okay, right? Because that's all he's needed for. So as a musician, I would have my students lined up down the hallway. They don't need me to tune or help tune or get their instrument out or warm up or anything like that. I just pop in, okay, stop doing it like this, start doing it like this, here's an example. I'm going to come back and check on you in 10 minutes and be sure that you got it, and then I go to the next student. So I could teach more than one person at a time. That one change allowed me to reach more people, make a bigger difference, and instantly doubled my instruction income. Okay, the second thing I did was I stopped sending the people that were coming to me with their money down the road. They'd say, oh, we've got this extra money. Where should I take it? And I would say, oh, don't give me your extra money. Go down to the store and give it to the music store. Well, I stopped that madness. I filled out and spent the 15 minutes to get a retail license. I called up the music distributors, said, hey, I've got a small shop. I want to carry your stuff. They said, great. Now the students come to me. They say, hey, we've got some extra money. Where should we take it? And I say, I happen to have what you need right here. So we stopped that cycle. I opened up a new avenue, a new income stream. The last thing I did was I stopped playing gigs and I started booking gigs. By booking gigs, there's no limit on the number of people I can reach or hire. But by playing gigs, I can only play one at a time, right? So those three things open everything up. Now, let me give you an example of what that looks like for somebody's particular trade, whether they are a gunsmith or a painter or a potter or a carpenter or whatever it is. Start teaching your knowledge. So a painter, for example, they would start teaching in groups. Remember, one to many, not one-on-one, because it needs to be scalable. Start teaching your knowledge. Second, give an avenue for your students to get the physical items that they need through you. So you open that retail shop. If you're a painter, you provide them with the paintbrushes and the paint and the, you know, if you're a gunsmith, you provide your students with access to the lathes and the presses and the the materials and that kind of thing. Lastly, instead of just having your art book for your students, So your art goes into the hotel because they need something fresh in the lobby. When that quarter is done and they're pulling your art down, you go back to the hotel. You say, hey, listen, if you like this, a student of mine does similar work. I think you'll like it. So you book that. And, of course, now you're getting paid for their commission. Gunsmith, hey, listen, I'm full right now, So, but I've got a student who does this very well. 
How about I connect you with them? And you start to get a percentage of that because you're now booking for more than one person. And that is infinitely scalable. Those three things will allow you to work less, but make more. Well, you know, I really enjoy that. A couple of reasons being one, first and foremost is one there make just simple sense, which is sometimes the best business, <laughs> but, but two, their, their strategies, anybody can implement right now, right now, you know, and, and a lot of people talk in theories. And I love the fact that you've come with really tangible tactical advice because, you know, I, I think a lot of people hit this, this title of coach speaker and everything. And all they want to do is speak about passion and theories and things like that. Like not many people give actually tactical things that people can apply to their business. So that's really cool. The, the one thing that I, as, as I was listening to you go through those and I was thinking about my business, I can see one of the struggles people are going to have in putting that together is what if I do a service? You know, what if I, you know, as a coach, I always jokingly tell people that I sell air, you know, ah. <laughs> at the end of the day, right? So if I'm, if, if, if people are like me and we're not teaching, you know, I do teach podcasting, right? I, I do do that and I love it. And I'm actually going to take some of your advice from this and see if I can't get some distributors lined up to sell the podcasting gear and stuff. Cause I hadn't thought about that avenue. So well played, but you know, how do people who sell air services, how do they find these tangible additional things or different revenues that people can purchase from them to work less and make more? Are we talking about like consulting services or consulting services? You know, it could even be, you know, I sold, basically printing services, you know, for once upon a time, I, you know, I, I was part of franchise sales. I mean, so there was a tangible thing there, but if I sell franchises, what additional things could I put in play to get more revenue streams coming in? Because what I sold a franchise, you know, that. Excellent. Okay, great. You'll find some cases of these on, on YouTube, just as I talk through them. So there's guys that they do very, very well in, in roofing sales, partially because some people don't know this, but when you sell a roof to a homeowner, nine times out of 10, the homeowner isn't paying for it. It's their insurance company that's paying for it. It's almost like the homeowner got a free roof. And so the roofing sales guy, their job is just to connect the insurance company with the insurance adjuster to say, hey, we need a roof or we don't. And the homeowner is like, it's an incredible opportunity. It's a win-win for everybody involved. Anyway, so there's guys that are absolutely killing it, making millions of dollars a year in roofing sales because it's so freaking easy. Well, they don't just knock on doors and ask Mr. Homeowner if they'd like a free roof. They also have a YouTube channel where they teach what's working for them to other people who are knocking on doors and start to get paid that way. So other people who are knocking on doors can call them up and hire them for coaching, can come to their seminar that they host once a year, can download their sales script that they use or whatever it is, so they can get paid because they're teaching what they're doing. If you sell a business, if you sell a franchise, well, for crying out loud, how can I pay you to learn how you made that transaction? how you got the contact, how you got your foot in a deal, how you closed it, how you overcame the objections. How can I learn how you did that in the franchise space? So that's one, getting paid for that. Two, when you sell a franchise or you sell a roof to somebody, uh, in the case of roofs, somebody gets a brand new roof. Well, 
what else do they need? You've got a brand new roof. You can't have ugly ass gutters attached to your house with a brand new roof. So they're going to need new gutters. What else do they need? Well, you can't have like ugly ass windows and siding with these brand new gutters. So they're going to need windows and siding. Okay, what else do they need? Like we just package it together. Somebody buys a franchise. What else are they going to need? Well, gosh, you can't operate a new franchise if you still have this old mindset of trying to do everything yourself. So you're going to need some productivity coaching. Okay, well, you can't operate a franchise if you are a jerk for a manager and nobody wants to work for you. Okay, so we need to connect you with our super duper magnet personality coach. You can't operate a franchise if you don't know how to do a business plan and get a job for the loan. So here, how about you download for $97 my done-for-you business plan kit? What other things can you package with it that they're going to need? That's awesome. And I really encourage people that are listening to this to go back that up about two minutes and re-listen to that part because he just broke down several ways that you can right now go add revenue streams to your business and things that you're doing and how often do you sit and geek out about things like this of thinking about, you know, out of the box, you know, ways that companies can work less and make more money? Because some of that you may in the moment have just pulled out and answered for me, but some of that you already had that ready and locked and loaded. <laughs> locked and loaded, baby. <laughs> so, so how often are you sitting around going, how can I help my people more? you know, and get more revenue streams, work less. I mean, is, is that something that you're fiddling with your own process as hard as you fiddled with the instruments? That's what I'm oh, trying to get. Oh yeah. It, it, well, it's in the mental illness. Like you can't shut it off. You're going to bed at night and ideas are coming. How else can we serve? Right. Uh, but also because it's the thing that you enjoy, you're, you're reading books, you're learning from other people, you're learning from podcasts, hopping on, you know, success champions, learning from some of those people. It's the water you swim in after a while. <laughs> I bet you've got some great stories, man. Oh, yeah, all day long. I mean, yeah, and I tell everybody, my best business decisions or the, the best creations in my business have come at 3.30 in the morning wake up. Heck yeah. you know, you're dead asleep and, you know, <laughs> and all of a sudden a light bulb goes off in your mind. You explode and you go, holy crap. There's, <laughs> right? right? Um, and that's because, you know, as as entrepreneurs, you have to live, eat, and breathe this, right? And that's why you know everybody else talks about you got to be people got to got to work in something they're passionate about. Don't turn your passion into the work, but be passionate about it, and then turn it mm -hmm. into work. If that makes sense, you know, because you're gonna spend more time in that than any other endeavor you're gonna do. So you've got to be able to literally, as I tell everybody, you've got to be able to geek out about it. And yeah. if you can't geek out about it, then then you're not going to come up with all these cool ideas and things like you've built so far for your business and what you're doing in performance coaching. Yeah. Where do you think all this is going to take you? I mean, you're doing some really, really cool things and total props for how you break it down on a very tactical level so people can apply it to their business. And I, I really just appreciate that about you. You know, are you going to go be the next big guy on stage? And, you know, if you are, can you walk out on stage with your viola and like play a song as your intro as you're walking out? Or where do you think this is all taking you? Well, that last part I actually, I actually do now. I did a TEDx years ago. So I've come to do several of them since then, but the very first one I did, 
I was like, hey, listen, I have this idea I'd like to share about how the brain makes sense of language and how it makes sense of music, because I think there's some insights that are kind of meaningful for our lives. And they said, okay, we love your topic. We love your idea. But the problem is we've already booked another TEDx speaker who is an actual brain scientist. And so we kind of feel weird having two people talking about the same thing. So let's let the brain scientist talk about that, but we still want to use you. So would you be willing to play and then we'll just put slides behind you with your connection about language and emotion and music. It's like, okay, sure, I'll go, go play. That ended up being TEDx Editor's Pick of the Week globally, like oh. worldwide. It ended up being a very meaningful motion. I mean, I had people crying in the audience. It was, just, it was just very emotionally impactful to experience. So now whenever I go speak somewhere, whenever I'm doing a leadership conference or a performance conference, sales conference, something like that, I'm able to open by bringing my instrument, playing, having the slides in the background and you can feel the shift in the room as their brains get it and something unlocks and we now have the opportunity to get them some skills and some training so they can have that breakthrough start to work less but make more. So I do. I do bring that with me. I love that because, you know, everybody can hear a certain song. And it will take them to a different place. I mean, whether it's a movie score, whether it's something their first date, maybe a certain song played, you know, but music will completely help people transcend, you know, a current state of mind similar to a smelling different foods or or. Like for me, I got this weird thing that if I get a certain smell in the morning when I walk outside, I'm instantly taken back to Marine Corps boot camp mm, because that mm. just brings back all the senses. But music does the same thing for people is when you hear, you know, like for me, I hear the first few notes of like a Harry Potter movie uh-huh. and I'm instantly at Hogwarts, man. I just like, like <laughs> that whole thing, right? You know, even some symphony things or, you know, anything else, they constantly take you to different places. I truly have so much respect for you that you're taking this to the masses and helping them get beyond themselves by applying something that a lot of people love and helping them get further, further in life. Let's do this, man. How do people get in touch with you? How do you, how do people reach out and geek out with you over all this stuff? Well, what I'd like to share is if if you have any interest in in what's causing my clients to double their income by working less, if you have any interest on why the Nobel-nominated process gives them that breakthrough that they haven't been able to get on their own besides working harder and you know pulling their hair out and struggling, I'd just like to share some case studies you could get for free. And the case studies will show, like, what what was the breakthrough in their thinking? What did that thinking pattern look like on paper? How did that apply to their business? How did they, in one case, I've got a case study where she tripled her income. Got another case study where he doubled his income. Got another case study where she realized that difference between $10 an hour and $5,000 an hour. So I share those case studies with you. You can go to mindsetcall.co, mindsetcall.co. You can get access to those case studies and just start to apply some of that stuff in your own life and and see if you notice the difference it makes. And you find yourself working less, but making more, reaching more people, making a bigger difference, 
and feeling a little bit less chaotic in the process. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Jared, I got to tell you, it's been a lot of fun having you on here, but I really appreciate you coming in and, and sharing your journey with, you know, the champions that listen to the show. Here's how I like to wrap up every episode. And I do stump some people with this question. So get ready. If you were going to leave the champions who listen to this podcast with a quote, a phrase or saying something they can take with them on their journey, especially when maybe they're going through it and they're in a tough spot in their life, what would be that quote, phrase, or saying you would say? Remember this. If I'm doing the work, my business is falling behind. If I'm doing the work, my business is falling behind. You need to get that made into (laughs) (laughs) T-shirts. That's awesome, brother. Hey, really, thank you very much for coming on and sharing your journey with us. I really am glad to be a part of it. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Donnie Success Champions podcast. If you'd like to hear more about our current guest today, or if you'd like to hear stories from our other guests on the show, come hang out with us on our website at successchamppodcast.com. I really appreciate you tuning in. If you need to reach out to me for any reason, you can catch me at Donnie at DonnieBovine.com. Kevin and I have a lot of fun each week recording these episodes and sharing our best thoughts and ideas with you all. And we're just proud to to have you guys as listeners always tuning in. And we really appreciate the messages. We get the DMs, the emails, and the likes from you guys with questions and ideas for future shows. And that just means the world to us. We really are changing how the world networks. We've poured our heart and soul into Success Champions Networking, and it continues to grow. So if you haven't checked out a chapter and you're looking for a mastermind group of pure, absolute badasses that understand that giving introductions are way more powerful than referrals, go to successchampionnetworking.com and request a visit. And thanks for being you. Thanks for being a champion of your success, because that's what it means to be a success champion.